Hello, and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. My name is Adam, your host. This week, I am chatting to the wonderful Rosa Stevens. Anyone who has been involved in tournaments or leagues in Leinster over the last number of years is bound to know Rosa and to know what a great job she has done and continues to do. During her time working for Leinster Tennis, Rosa has been involved in bringing in tournament software and a ranking system, organizing junior leagues, introducing Phoenix Draws, and a whole lot more. Rosa's done amazing things for Irish tennis, and she is the nicest person that you're going to meet in the sport. We talk about the introduction of a rating system and its advantages over rankings, the advantages of junior leagues and why she uh, was so determined to introduce them, the differences that she's experienced between tennis in Ireland and in Spain, where Rosa grew up, and a whole lot more. After talking to Rosa, my love for tennis was as strong as it's ever been. And I know that after listening to this chat, you'll feel really inspired to get back out there, play some tennis, and you'll just be aware of how much or how great this sport really is. It's a great chat. I know you'll enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Rosa Stevens. A big thanks, Rosa, for coming on uh, to talk today. Um, how are things with you at the moment? Now it's uh, strange times right now. Yeah, I think like everybody else, trying to do as much as you can from home, going for lots of walks to, to avoid being sitting at the computer too long, and just sort of take it as it comes. Yeah, now I know it was... Uh, a couple of years ago now, when you kind of left the the, the main role in Lenser Tennis, and you've kind of been back a little bit since. So uh, how have those last couple of years been for you with, with tennis still playing a pretty a pretty big part in, in your life? Yeah, in fact, um, I've been on one side uh, doing a little bit for Leinster in the office. But apart from that, I've been helping, in fact, with the administration um, get a grip, which are based in David Lloyd with the field, with this and Maurice Joubert, I'm sure you know both of them. And I think Asti is the, the podca- a podcast. Yes, yeah, no, I've spoken to Asti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's now in Lithuania. Yeah, we are missing. I heard that. Yeah. Um, and just kind of to, to go back a little bit, um, kind of to, to where that tennis journey started for you. So if you look back, where, where did that kind of passion for tennis um, come from for you? Um, I used to play in Spain. Um, we spent the summer holidays up in the Pyrenees and there was a court um, in, in sort of in a big field in, in the little town. And it was an interesting surface because um, being in the Pyrenees, the temperatures went from one extreme to the other and you could have minus 10 and the sort of the icicles hanging from the houses in the winter. And then in the summer, you'll have a scorching sun with temperatures in the high 30s and centigrade. Uh, and I would just play for fun, no coaching, nothing, just a racket and hit with a few friends or with my brothers and my brother and sisters. Uh, I play later on, a li- on clay a little bit, but always as a very social thing. But then when... I came to Ireland and my children were members in David Lloyd Review and they did at the time a program called the 8 by 8 where they pick a few um, eight-year-olds uh, based on coordination and that sort of thing. 
and put them in a in a program. Um, it was eight children, age eight. And my one of my sons, my youngest son, was involved in that. And that's how in some way I was I started getting a bit involved in the junior tournaments in Ireland because obviously if he was doing performance, he was he was supposed to play tournaments. And once you start, it's it's fun because you get to know the parents, the children know each other. I think that the the setup of the junior tournaments in the summer is enjoyable, even when it's a bit demanding. And he was lucky that because he was the youngest, I could do it. If it had been my eldest and I have had little ones running around and getting lost and climbing all over the place, I may not have been able to do it. But And at the time, um, the structure was not as broad as it's now. Uh, they were the, the, the tournaments were there and there was the Grand Prix. But um, because the, basically only the results from quarterfinals up counted towards the Grand Prix, if you were coming new into the system, it was very difficult to break through because there was no information about the great majority of players available in an objective way. Otherwise, then going through all the draws that may not have been that easy to find. And probably because also I felt the, the we could do with leagues for younger ones and things like that. I was, uh, I got involved first at club level, organizing a few things. Um, we started a, a tennis Europe tournament under 14. Then I was very involved with that. And also um, because there were no under 12 leagues and the, the, the LTC league, the 14s and 18s were in the autumn, I suggested to start uh, a friendly under 12s in the spring months or spring summer. And that's how the under 12 league started. And later on, I became involved in the Leinster Council. And after two or three years is when I came into the office side of it. Yeah, and I know that something you were involved with was was bringing in the, the tournament software system for tournaments and, and also with that kind of a better, more formal rankings. So I guess, could you tell me a little bit about that and, and the benefits of, of those developments? We brought in the... The tournament software, and we had a very supportive uh, Lenser Council from that point of view. Bailey Meehan particularly was always very good, uh, and many others too. I mean, he wasn't the only one, but I worked very close with him. And um, with the introduction of the tournament tennis tournament planner, the tournaments, I think, became much easier to follow. Um, the communication with players became much more efficient. It made the life of tournament organizers easier. And also because the system was integrated with a ranking system, it meant that we were able to introduce the ranking. We had been doing it for two or three years. Uh, I used to run it on Excel sheets. I created an Excel database uh, that allowed me to feed it all the the results with drop-down box uh, list to fill in the points and things like that. And I did that for two or three years uh, as a trial with one very basic website when you used to program it with codes, which 
and was very sort of really, really basic. And after two years doing that, the the ranking system that tour, the visual reality, which are the company that run tournament and software, was very good. And then we move to the one that is all integrated with the tournaments. And that, I think, made a difference from the point of view that because when players were winning one match, even if it was in at the very, very beginning, and even if they got only one point, it meant that there was a certain reward for playing and doing a, a bit well. And also it meant that then the information became available. Sort of for tournaments organ, tournament organizers, you could download the ranking and therefore you could do the draws based on objective data, which was very, very useful. It meant that at the time of saving and things like that, you had objective data. And therefore, you were not going just, okay, in that sort of by the results that the players told you that they used to put the very good ones, but they didn't put the bad ones, you know, then if you have to rely on that or in trying to, to look at all the various draws available was very, very difficult. There is one drawback of it, which having pushed big way to introduce a ranking uh, in some way has backfired because what is happening now is that people are obsessed about rankings and then it's taking a bit away the fun of the game. And we come from a situation where sort of it didn't really matter because things were not recorded and now players are what some, not all of them, a lot of them are still playing because of the fun of the game. But quite frequently, you see what I call chasing points. And chasing points is not necessarily healthy because, yes, if you go to a tournament where you have a higher chance to reach the final, but the matches you are playing are not as competitive your game is not necessarily going to improve, then you may end with a very high ranking, but your game is not getting any better. You know what I mean? And also what I've seen over the years is that sometimes in certain tournaments, you see that the top seeds have walkover after walkover because if people are traveling a long distance and they see for the points and they see that they draw a very high seed, they feel it's not worth my investment in money and time to go there. Thanks God, we don't see it too much. But it happens and it's unfortunate because it's not the spirit of the game. If you are entering a tournament, it's to play. You know, what you are doing is in some way you are, so that seed that doesn't get the match is deprived of the opportunity of having a, a match before he reaches the, the semi-final playing nothing, you know? And also because you need to win a match to, to get points, the child that may have that was given the walkover may have had a chance to, to win that first match. And that's gone, 
but then he goes and meets a strong seed has that loses and gets nothing you know therefore it's not fair if you are going if you enter a tournament you have to play it it's not just entering to to get points and if there is no chance of points goodbye yeah. yeah, like I was saying, it's not everybody that does that. That's a minority, but unfortunately, it's, hap- it's happening. And that's why I was saying that the ranking in some way has backfired. Then um, there is something coming on that I'm very excited about it. Tennis Ireland is bringing it. Um, it's a, a pilot study with the ITF or a pilot study, more than a pilot study, is a pilot. Is basically the you probably have heard about the UTR. What the UTR did is that it proved that the system works, and the ITF sort of introduced. They had used before the ITN, but the ITN never took off for the reasons we were saying. It was one to ten. The, the, there was not enough spread or gradient to be useful for that type of thing. But what they did then look, obviously it was coming quite obvious that the UTR was having a very strong weight. Then the ITF stepped in and introduced the wall tennis number, I think it's called, which is they have been working on the algorithm for two or three years. They've done trials behind um, Richard or James Cooney, Richard Fahir or James Cooney were talking about it in the last AGM and is now in the next step after having done their small things. Ireland is in a perfect position because we have a very good structure of tournaments. The tournaments are published. We have very good record keeping about that. What means that there is lots of results out there. And on the other hand, we are a very small country. So as a sample, it works very well. And because of that, Ireland is one of the sort of trial countries to see how it goes. Unfortunately, because of COVID, I'd say things will be delayed because we are not going to have as many tournaments. But you may have received an email saying that um, if you want to participate on it, that your data would could be used for that. Uh, I certainly got one around January, what means that people are giving the, the chance of joining the system or not. But if that works, and I hope it will, because of what I have heard is quite similar, uh, or it's based, at the, they have been trying it for a good while, but if the spread is wide and it works, I think it will be a much better system for creating the, the tournaments because then what you have is a much more accurate level of where people are. And my understanding is that the, the world number uses sets I don't know if it uses games, but um, what I have heard is that it uses sets. I'd be happier if it used games, <laughs> but sets is certainly better than nothing. But it's a very, very interesting um, sort of development. 
Uh, it does singles and doubles. It means that it could be used for the leagues. Uh, it's one of the classic things when you're trying to organize leagues. Say, if you have a team with players that are a very broad range, if a very, very strong player is playing in a very low class, what that very strong player is winning all his or her matches very easily. But there is the, the ones that are playing him or her are very discouraged. You know, things that are very uneven are not fun for anybody. I, I think it's certainly good to make life for league captains much easier, for um, tournament organizers much easier. The other thing is that it will give the opportunity to sort of a junior coordinator talks to another junior coordinator in another club and says, look, let's do a friendly. Would you bring six players? And look, my players are between that rating and that. Can you bring players that are reasonably matched? You know, then it has a huge amount of advantages. Yeah. I think it's probably yeah. from what I understand, one of the most exciting things coming. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that rating system, I guess, and it's, I guess, having some advantages over what there was before. And I guess in terms of, of making it a bit more fun and you know, increasing the chance for people to have more fun, you know, over it being, you know, all about the competition and, you know, being hyper competitive. And I think something else this, um, you kind of mentioned earlier that's a similar vein to that is, is the leagues that I think that, you, you know, you were involved in, in setting up the junior leagues in, in Leinster. So I guess, just, would you mind just talking a little bit about that idea of the leagues and then also how they, you know, help keep tennis fun for the juniors and it's not all about the, the competition necessarily? You know, um, I think the, the thing about the leagues is that they make easier for children to participate. Um, there is two factors in it. The first one is that when if both parents are playing are working, it's very difficult for a child to get involved because he may he or she may not have the opportunity to play open tournaments. It, one of the problems with tennis is because the tournaments are quite long, it requires a high commitment uh, from the parent or tutor to bring the child to the tournament. It's a much longer commitment. It's not just that the tournament is longer. It's also the fact that you don't know when the next match is going to be. Therefore, even if you were trying to prepare, you may have to organize something for tomorrow at nine, tonight. It means that people have to be very flexible. With the leagues, a parent can take three or four children to the match. Therefore, all what you need if a team has six players is two cars and two parents to bring sick children. And that can rotate, what means that the commitment may be one Sunday every two or three, instead of four days in a week, week after week. Then it's, and also there is the, the social element, is the fact that when the children are going in the car, they are chatting. If the match goes well, they are all congratulating each other. If the ma- match goes wrong, then they are all commiserating together. Then it's everything is shared and is the fun of it. And also because the children want to do well, it means that they practice. 
And if because it's club-based, very frequently the children live close by, one means that they may ring each other, just walk down to the club, spend the day there, and they are they have a goal which is doing well on the weekend, therefore they have a reason to go there. It I think it increases the love for the game, the fun, and also it gives the roots in the club, which very frequently carries a certain pride. Um, it's much more likely that the players stay in the game if they feel attached to their club, involved with their club. Um, and from that point of view, I think the leagues are very important. One of the leagues that we run to is the schools league. And for me, it's one of my favorite things because it introduces the sport to children that otherwise may not have been aware of it. Um, it also brings that link between the clubs and the local schools. Uh, it means that this, the local school learns about that option that the children will have and parents can see how they enjoy it. And I, I think it has a huge amount of benefits. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense about you know, all the different advantages of, of- you know, increasing the connection with the club, with with the, you know your teammates, and you know it really, I guess you know it does as as you say, it just helps people enjoy tennis a whole lot more. And, and just to to touch, I know you're, you're you're Spanish, and and you would have experienced tennis a bit in in Spain as well. So just just to touch on, I guess maybe some of the differences you might have seen in in the system in Spain, and, and even at that kind of you know participation level that we're kind of talking about, like what what things are similar or different over there compared to. Yeah. I think um, one of the factors, the most important factor of them all is the weather. The weather certainly helps. But apart than that, um, tennis is a high profile sport in Spain. Um, it was always popular, but the fact that they have been a few very, very good players and certainly uh, lately Nadal. But even before him, there were um, the likes of Arancha Sanchez Vicario and Conchita Martinez, which were Fed Cup, so the royalty. Um, for many years, it means that it's a very, very popular sport. There are tennis courts in lots of places all, all over. Um, the children will play just a bit like in the parks here, but instead of seeing just a few here and there in that those courts are very used but what uh, say my children went there to a camp in um, and there was a local tournament and it was interesting because we had quite strong players they would have been at the very very top of our juniors under 12 and under 18 and in the local tournament they had very tough matches and they didn't win but that's because there are so many players that they have a very, very broad base and their sort of second tire is as strong as our top players. But it's a classic thing. When you look at a lot, quite frequently in a country and you have not just one player, you have two good players at the same time. And it's because if there is that competition, they keep pushing each other. Because this time I win, but next time it'll be you, and I have to catch up with you. And that was that's what happens in Spain. There are so many that that pressure of I'm the number one seed, I'm the number one in Ireland, I have to win everything, is not there. Because there are 
a hundred or a thousand players as good or better than you. Therefore, you are not expected to win everything. And it's no shame if you lose something because everybody can beat some or, or lose to somebody else in any day. And I think it takes much a lot of the pressure. And in fact, is Andy Murray. He said it, that he went to Sanchez Casals because he was nobody there. And therefore, the pressure wasn't there. And he spent a lot of his teenager years in there because he had the level, he had the opportunity, but he didn't have the pressure. And I think that's one of the things with uh, our system is that our top players have to go away uh, abroad to be able to play competitive matches constantly. And if they are playing tournaments, they have to fly and they have sort of, it's the cost of the flying, the cost of the hotel, the being on your own, uh, nobody to practice with. You have to organize somebody and that somebody is going to be different in any tournament you go. That if you are in a country where there is hundreds of local tournaments with that level, you just drive. 20 minutes, half an hour, and you are getting those yeah. competitive matches that could go anyway. And even if you move to the next level, what you're doing is traveling to the next province, but within your own country at a very affordable price. You have lots of tournaments, and quite a lot of them have prize money, What means that you can make your life playing from one tournament to the other your own sport. That's what makes the sort of the fact that it is affordable means that there is many, many players coming, you know. But certainly, I think the weather helps a lot. You know, if you could could change something about the way we do tennis in Ireland, what do you think you'd change? Because the weather maybe is a bit, you know, it's out of our control. But if, if there's something you could, something you would change, what do you think you would, you would try and do a bit, a bit differently? Um, I could concentrate in increasing the base. I think if we are ser- serious about it, we really need to get, I think we are serious about it, and that probably was not the right word. But um, if we really want to see players coming through, we need thousands and thousands of juniors, and we are only going to get them if the sport it has a much broader audience. I think the parks tennis should be much bigger. I think schools should be, tennis should be much more popular in schools than it is. It's an ideal sport. When I was running the leagues, um, one of the, we introduced a, a mixed uh, third division. And one of the reasons we did that is because the, the small schools, particularly rural schools or otherwise, some uh, CFI or other maybe denominations that are very small schools, the schools that are maybe four or five teachers, and they have a, a small pool of potential players. What means that they find very difficult to play sports like soccer or hockey because their, their age range is quite big. Uh, that with tennis, particularly if it was mixed, all what they needed was three boys and three girls, and they could be from fourth class up. Therefore, even a very small school could put a team in Division Three, And that's 
that's one of the things that it can be played in a, in a smaller space. You could even do quite a lot of the coordination and first things. You could do it even in, in sports halls. Uh, you can start red courts. It's a small and the ball doesn't go very high. You could use it in sports halls. And there is quite a lot of, of courts and parks. But the thing is that, yes, park tennis is good, but there is no continuation. You know what I mean? If we had a system to introduce a little bit of competition that was sort of the kids that are doing the parks or the, the local people, even you don't need perfect technique to, to play a game. All what you need is to, to know the rules, be able to serve and rally a bit. Then I think if we introduce a few um, social type of not quite tournaments, Things that can be done, say, or play points or play games or that can that are self-contained, that can be done in an afternoon or maybe um, in an hour to, to get sort of people enjoy it, bring in things like the cardio tennis, sort of make it more an everybody's sport that sometimes is seen like an elitist sport. And I think it, there is no reason why it should be. And it has what we were, the fact that you can play in your 60s or your 70s and a granny can play with a grandchild, you know, very few sports give you that range. Then I think we should, we should exploit it. And we should have a system that in some way links the clubs with the parks that if there are children that have exceptional potential, they can be sort of embraced in a club and facilitate the... Because one of the things in places like Spain is because there are so many. If you have a club that has thousands of, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of members, it's easier to sponsor maybe a few local children. And then becomes affordable that the problem we have at the moment is that unfortunately tennis is not a cheaper sport and that's one of the barriers you know i totally agree with that that you know it is just the the, the, the grassroots of getting you know as many people playing the sport and bringing it to as many different people as you can through things like schools as you say and parks and you know it's a sport that the more people that will play it you know the more people that will fall in love with it and, and stick with yeah. it you know that's just and great. Is a numbers game. I mean, you you have a pyramid. The broader your pyramid is, the higher the level at the top. Absolutely. And it's it's a numbers game. If instead of having, say, maybe a thousand children playing on their tents, we have five thousand. It means that instead of having two players at, let's say, whatever rating it is. Maybe now in it's about probably our top players are about thirteen, maybe, and we have one. Then if you if your base is twice the size, that's going to be probably three at that level and one at fourteen, you know. Then if we really are serious, we have to be able to provide the level that when I went to Spain, we had one child at that level that was the level of the local tournament in Barcelona. If we had five times the number of children, it will mean that at that same level, instead of having one 
that has to go away to play that level, we will have 20. You know, then it's it makes say if there is more more players and the clubs have a slightly higher income, they can afford subsidized talented players. But apart from that, if our level is higher, our players don't need to travel when they are at level what let's say nine. They because there is plenty of level nine here. They will only need to travel when they are two levels up. You know. And it's again makes it more affordable, and it's less of a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, you talk about this, this kind of traveling and, and you know having to get abroad to to increase the opportunities to to compete. And something else that I guess is a small you know smaller part of that is is trying to have more events in Ireland, like maybe international events, the ITFs, the Tennis Europe's that can help to bring people here for for the Irish people to compete against and and you know test their level against without having to travel necessarily. Is that something that you? Got to experience much with Leinster Tennis? Were you involved with, with any um, I was events? involved. And in fact, I was involved last, not last year, the year before in 2019. Um, I was tournament director in the, for the ITF 18 and the Tennis Europe Under 12 in David Lloyd Riverview. Yeah. And they, any tournaments that we do here is brilliant. I mean, ITFs that summer in 2019, there was the one in Cariga Line, one in Belfast, and the one in Riverview. And it meant that it was three weeks of warming up. It, it cuts the cost of the Irish. And also it means that it gives them the opportunity to, to get a few points. Because one of the, the things when you are traveling is that you may be traveling to get just one match. And for the boys particularly, at ITF level, is the, there is a lot of depth. Then if you don't have any points, you don't even get into the draws. Then is in, a, in order to be able to get into a qualifying draw, if you are a boy under 18, you really need some points. And to break through is not easy. It's much easier if you do it at home because... To start, there is the cost factor. But apart from that, if you are traveling, you're not going to be there for very long because you have to pay the hotel and it's very expensive. What means that you're likely to travel the day before. You are arriving in a country that you don't know, in a surface that you don't know, a food that you don't know, and you have a bit of jet lag. Then your chances of doing well in your first match may not be that good. If the tournament is around, say, in a court that you have played lots of times that you're familiar with and that you are, you know the guys that are there, you can warm up, you know that you are going to have, a, a, you can practice somewhere else. But that's the other thing, that when you're going to a place that you've never been, are you going to be able to practice? Or are you going to get just a shared court for half an hour, um, three hours before your match? You know, then there is all those things that when people have, thinking and traveling for first time don't necessarily think that those are barriers, but they are. Yeah. And you see it because, you know, the, there is so much success, where, you know, in the events we do have, the junior ones and obviously the, the senior events that we do get to have in Ireland as well. You know, you see that, that there is a lot of success for, for, for the Irish players. Yeah. And it encourages encourages them to play more, you know. It, it gives goals to achieve. Um, but the, the other thing is, it, it makes it more affordable for the players that are thinking in uh, going that route. And also it gives you an idea because 
is the classic small big fish in the small pond. So if you are doing very, very, very well at home, you think are very strong, but then you get what I was saying with our players in Spain in a local tournament, they lost in semifinal, you know, then you, you may think you're very good, but that's because you are in a country that doesn't have a lot of depth. The minute you, you go out in Europe, then suddenly you are struggling to qualify. That To travel to a European tournament costs money because it's the flights, and apart from that, the accommodation. And depending on where you are going, you may not have a daily flight. What means that you may play one match, you may lose it, but you have to wait two days before you can get your flight back. Because you don't know when you're going to fly back, you may not book your tickets until you know if you lost or you won, you know? Then it's it's a lot of things that you have to juggle. And it's worth if you are going to have a chance but if you don't have the level, it's no point. Then the tournaments in Ireland give you an idea or are you ready at that level or you need to work a bit more before really you start looking at that, you know? And it's the only way you're going to know it is by playing against players that travel regularly and you can see their level. And the players that come to Ireland but not necessarily the highest ranked ones. One means that in order to consider to that is worth traveling abroad, you should be able to at least qualify for main draws in Ireland and probably at least win one first round match. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, um, otherwise yeah. is is expensive and you may only get one match. Yeah. Uh, and just to, to bring it back to, to your time in with, with Leinster Tennis, if you were to look at a, a highlight or a couple of best memories that you have from, from your years there, would, would any stand out to you? I have a lot of very good memories. Certainly enjoy being part of Fitzwilliam. Uh, I learn a lot from Harley Lapp, Henry Lapp, and they have a super team in, in Fitzwilliam. Uh, it has certainly a very special place in my heart. But uh, there are many, many others. Years of working in junior committees with very, very good people, sort of the many. Uh, I may not mention anybody because it will be too many and I forget somebody. But I made lots and lots of friends. We, I think we certainly did our best to try to move things forward. Um, I have worked with lots of tournament uh, referees and directors, I learn a lot from them all. What I always felt a bit, um, my role was at the time, was in some way to talk to people, learn from them, and then pass information that they gave me around to somebody else. Because people that have been doing things for a very long time have lots of tricks, and they know a lot. Uh, but that pool of knowledge quite frequently is, is in that club. But it may be there that when you are traveling around, what you're doing is you're gathering all that information from all the, the people. You're seeing the things that work and the things that don't work. And what you do is you pass them around and you suggest to somebody who is starting, go and talk to that person because they've been doing a very good thing. Or you may say, OK, I see that that thing worked there, but that didn't, you know. And over the time, you have to keep adapting because 
I know, for example, with the lens and match plays, we used to do the continuous feeding, and it was a very good system, but it was extremely demanding. And it was a very hard draw to operate because of the way that it went backwards and forwards and then it turned around. Then you needed to have a, a rather wicked sort of mind to be able to operate it. And also it was extremely long hours. Then it was not something that could continue, continue on the way that it was going. From the branch point of view, when you're doing something because ideally what you want is to run like pilots of things that are simple to do and can be replicated and pass out for them to happen again in lots of places. In some way, the way I saw it is that we try things and then our role was to pass them on and train people to do them in many more places because you cannot reach everywhere. And that's how the Phoenix Circuit came in. And I was in a, in a meeting and I had lots of coaches and my coach said, uh, is there anything we could do? Because I know my, I brought my, my own son and some other kids from the club. I told them to go to an open tournament and they came back saying I was hammer. I, I hate it. And they never went out again. Mm. And that's how the Phoenix Circuit came in. Uh, I thought, okay, good. Going to talk to that coach. Because that's the when you have somebody who is particularly sensitive to an issue, it's always worth to, to look at it. I said, look, would you like to, to do a trial? And then what we did was to design something that gave players multi-matches, but in some way protected them from having very strong players in the in, in in the game. And that's why we started with the round robin. And then it meant that they all played quite a few matches and they went into a knockout. But because you had the data from the round robin, it meant that knockout had the stronger players forward or um, it was organized in a way that they were playing very much at their level. And we just said, look, players with more than a certain number of ranking points are not allowed to play. And that worked very well. We ended with a few modifications. And Derek Boland in, Re in Rathgar used it, introducing the silver draw. And we added it to it. And over the years, it has been tricked. But the beauty of it was that to start, it was just two pages. It was very basic rules. And it could be done in a very short period of time. And it's things like that that work. But it was a team effort. You know, it was a problem that somebody put. The input from that person that had the problem, trying to, to see how can we go around it. Then that person trying it and then spreading it a bit around, gathering feedback and modifying it accordingly. And I think that's a format that we should use quite a bit because we need we need many tournaments that offer multi-matches that can be done in a short period. Another thing that um, a club used to run, I certainly remember bringing children to play their teams, uh, was Temple Oak used to run a, a day cup and it was timed. 
the matches were uh, stopped when the timer stopped. And it meant that it was all done in one day. And things like that, they make it more manageable. People are short for time. As I was saying, if two parents work, children cannot go to tournaments, then we really need many things that can happen in a weekend or in just a few days that they don't require the commitment of six, seven days. I, I We need more of those, yeah. Yeah, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think, you know, as you are talking there, you know, like, it is, you know, it's amazing what you, you have done over the years. You know, you've talked about the leagues, the Phoenix, that's just another example of, you know, what you've, did. You know, it's unbelievable stuff that you've done. So it's you know, a big credit for that. I just want to ask, um, if you were to give some advice to maybe someone who was maybe a parent, like like you were kind of getting involved in the game, um, you know, some advice to, to someone who maybe wanted to get a little bit more involved in tennis, well, what, what kind of advice would you give to them? Depends on what type of involvement. I mean, as a parent of a child, my advice will be go easy, go very, very easy. Sort of, it depends on the ability of the child. Always listen to your coach. If a child is exceptionally talented, technique is very important. It is the main tool to avoid injuries later on. Sort of somebody said, listen to your child. I think that's very important too. And make sure that they always enjoy it. If you get, or do we have to do that, slow down. Uh, It should never be a core. It should be something that they enjoy. Also, uh, overdoing can carry injuries. And that's, again, the reason why I think technique is very important and fitness, work on the coordination, all those things are crucial. It's not all about winning or losing. That's in some way the less the least important. They will develop with time. Is get the, the basics right and balance it sort of, don't expect them always to win. And losing is important too. And learning to lose is very important. The hardest thing is in tennis is to pull yourself back after a bad loss and go out and play again and believe that you're going to do it and you'll win it. You know, it's all those things. And need, children need the space and it has to be fun. As somebody who got involved in running things, it's time, but it's so much that you get out of it. Uh, yes, you give your time, you give your effort, but you make many friends. Uh, you learn a lot from people and seeing the children enjoying it and progressing is very gratifying. And certainly um, I have many more good memories than that. It's, I think from a club point of view, it's very important to make sure that Players are involved. Say they, I can. I certainly have in mind a few clubs that have very, very successful junior programs, and those usually what they have is very committed coaches and very supportive committees. What seems to be a common thing is believing the players, the slightly older players, get involved in helping the junior ones. They hit up and down. They help organizing tournaments, then they may be team captains. They may help uh, organizing fun days, pizza days or whatever, but keep your teenagers involved by giving back a bit to the club. And it increases the roots 
and it creates a, a self-pride on the club and ownership of what you are doing. And those are the clubs that are successful. It's very, very important of making sure that people feel involved and part of what you are doing. Don't do it all yourself. Get help because people like helping. But the, the trick there is we are all different. Some of us are good at one thing. Others are good at others. I mean, certainly I'm an absolute disaster as a cook. Then don't ask me to make cakes because nobody will buy them. But certainly if you are running a tournament, there is jobs for everybody. One can be uh, making sure that there is tennis balls for everybody. Other one could be organizing a raffle, getting the prizes, selling the tickets. Another one could be looking after the kitchen. Somebody else may be empowering. Then there is lots and lots of jobs. But the things that are successful are the ones that get a lot of people involved with very small works, very small jobs. You still need somebody coordinating everybody. But the trick is lots of people doing small things. This way, nobody gets burned. If one person does it all, at the end, that person gets burned and resents it and then saying, I'm here doing everything and nobody's helping me. And that doesn't work. You need teamwork and everybody supporting everybody. And then those clubs are very strong. Yeah, no, I love that. I guess the, of getting everyone involved and everyone helping out, and especially, I guess, with the teenagers, when, you know, when it is an age that, you know, we, you know, tennis loses a lot of people and a lot of people that played when they were younger that, that do stop. And that's just you know, a great way to, as well as the playing of the tennis, you know, of keeping them involved in other ways as well, which I think is, yeah. is so important. And asking them, because teenagers are very creative too. Yeah. It, it's, it's always a, a two-way yeah, absolutely. And just another, another couple of questions for you, Rosa, um, conscious of your, of your time. Um, but just um, to, uh, if I could ask just a couple of, of I guess, from, from your involvement in tennis, from, from having tennis as, as, as such a part of your life, what are a couple of the biggest things that you've, you've learned from tennis for life, kind of t- tennis, kind of you know, the value of tennis in, in, in your life? In some ways, like any job you do, too. I mean, tennis is a, is a great sport for all the reasons we were saying. It's, it's very broad and it takes a lot of people. But in anything you do, you are always going to learn about working with people, about yourself, about um, the things that work, the things that don't. Probably with age, you learn also to listen more and to to try to to guess and see the other side of the story and try to put everybody's ideas on the balance and feelings and all the other things. You always get surprises. Uh, I always feel that if you want something to be successful, first you have to see what are the problems that you may find, where are the challenges and work to make sure that when you go for it, you have covered as many potential problems as possible then some i know in one occasion somebody told me oh you just put all the problems but the reason why i put all the problems is because that's the only way i have a chance of success you know if i don't anticipate the problems and i'm prepared for them it's unlikely that things work maybe i'm over cautious but I it could be all age. I sort of always feel better be prepared and 
sort of cover as many angles as possible to make sure that things work. Yeah, I think it's dead right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and just a, a final question, Rosa. What, what's your favorite thing about tennis? The people, <laughs> yes. Definitely. Uh, I think it's a very, apart from the people, it's a very exciting sport. I mean, certainly when you are watching some of the top players, I mean, it's unbelievable what they can do. And we can be completely glued for hours watching that play, the, the ball going backwards and forwards and thinking, how on earth did they do that? You know, it's a very exciting sport. But also, like all sports, is it teaches you about life, you know, about things go right, things go wrong. And you sort of, but in Ireland, I think one of the things that is interesting is the challenge of trying to get the facilities to give our players the opportunities that they deserve. And that's, I think at the moment, the facilities plus increasing the broad base, those I think are the main challenges for us at the moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, no, Rosa, I think we'll leave it there. Um, I re- really appreciate the time and, and, and the chance to talk. Um, you know, a big thanks for, for that and for, for, for what you've done over the past number of years. I think it's amazing. Um, I enjoyed it. It's a, it's a journey that it was shared with lots of people. And I, I have to say that's the thing that I enjoy the most. Uh, all the people I have met over the years and seeing you all, particularly the likes of you, uh, because I sort of, from a young child to a grown-up in college is a long journey and it's nice. And it's thanks a million for asking me because I really enjoyed catching up. A big thanks to Rosa once again for coming on uh, to the podcast for a chat. I know that I am, after talking to Rosa, I'm dying to get back out there, play some tennis and everything that goes with it, the tournaments, the leagues. Um, Really looking forward to when when that can happen again. I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. If you did, um, please do share the podcast. Please do like, comment, leave a review, uh, especially on on Apple Podcasts. Uh, It's much appreciated. That's all for me. Until next week, I've been Adam. And goodbye.